0: Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and this is the Voice of the Prophet. Originally, I had said that this podcast would be done on a weekly basis. I also said that I was praying for that to happen. Well, apparently God has said, at least for this week, no, because He's given me another message to share. As before, This will be for sharing the Word of God in a prophetic way under the anointing and direction of the Holy Ghost as He ministers and speaks to my spirit as to what He would have me to speak and minister to the spirits of His listeners. You can help and support this podcast in two ways. First, tell everyone you know about this podcast and how easy it is to tune in on Buzzsprout. Secondly, as God leads you, Your prayers, love, and support will always be needed and appreciated. You can show your financial support through Cash App. That's dollar sign Beatrice Valerie Nero. That's dollar sign, capital B-E-A-T-R-I-C-E, capital V-A-L-L-E-R-Y, capital N-E-R-O, or PayPal me at Sister B. Nero. That's S-I-S capital B capital N E-R-O. You can also reach me with comments and questions by email at amiteagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net. Our scriptures today will be coming from the King James, as well as the New International Version of the Bible. 1 Kings 9 and 4 reads from the King James Version, And if thou wilt walk before me, as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and judgments." Nehemiah 7 and 2 reads, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Titus 2 and 7 from the New International Version reads, In everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. As a little girl growing up, I had no choice as to where I would go to church or what I was being taught about God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Every day, every day, Because I went to Catholic school, I was taught to love God and obey Him. I had to go to church on Sundays, every Sunday, and I had to place something in the offering basket. During Lent, no one ate meat on Fridays, and we all went to Stations of the Cross until Easter. I remember kneeling by my parents' bed with my mother and sisters praying the rosary and seeing the candle to the Blessed Virgin flickering 24 hours a day. When I became a woman and moved out of my parents' house on my own, one of the first things I did was stop going to church, and I stopped praying. Unfortunately, I'm continuing to see the same pattern with so many young people today. The young are leaving the Christian churches in droves. Why? Not only that, but salvation among the lost is at an all-time low, where at this time, with all that's going on, it should be just the opposite. As the expression goes, what's really going on? When the Twin Towers were hit and the terrorist attacks came against us during 9-11, the churches were packed. People were turning to God, praying, seeking his face, and asking him to help and forgive us. What happened to all of those people? Why didn't they stay with the church? Well, first of all, It wasn't a quote-unquote church that they ran to, but it was Christianity. However, in actuality, it was Christianity that drove them away. Let me clarify that statement and maybe even change it just a bit. It wasn't basic Christianity that drove them away. It was Christians. Oh, Sister B, how can you say such a thing? How can you say that? As I stated in my opening statement, these are messages being given to me by God through his Holy Spirit to share with his sons and daughters. There will be some that will listen and receive and others won't. It's up to you to decide which you will be. I will not make apologies for what I truly believe God is speaking to my spirit to say to his sons and daughters. The bottom line is To this is that no one makes you become a Christian. No one made me, as much as they tried, become a Christian. I became a Christian because I fell in love with Jesus when he drew me to him. With his loving kindness, he drew me. And then he uses others as I believe and pray that he uses me to draw others to him with that same love and kindness, with that same loving kindness. The thing about Christianity is that all Christians have one basic thing in common. They all believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When I lead others in the sinner's prayer, I share with them the basic beliefs and doctrines of Christianity. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he was born of a virgin, that he bled, suffered, and died on the cross for my sins. I share with them that I believe that he rose again on the third day and that he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. There's more to the prayer that I pray with them, but that basically gives you an idea of what most Christians believe and adhere to. Unfortunately for most Christians, that's where the common belief ends. Now it's not a matter of doctrines or religious differences. It's not a matter of one religious religion versus another that make people leave the body of Christ. It's individual Christians and the lives that they live while professing Christianity that literally drive people away young and old from the church. Again, according to Jeremiah 31 and 3, it reads, The Lord had appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Christianity has drawn so many people with their love and kindness, but it's all too often the lack of character, honor, and integrity that drives people away. We look at television. And we see the mega churches that have the food drives, the Thanksgiving baskets that they give away, and all of these things that are are with love and kindness, it's being done. And people are drawn to the churches. They are drawn to Christianity. But once they enter in, what happens again is the lack of of honor and integrity. It's the lack of of the morals and scruples. Christianity has drawn so many people, but then it's the same Christians that drive them away. One of the things that anyone who truly knows me, they know me for my stance on character, honor, and integrity. I take a stand when it comes to morals, scruples, and principles. Every family has someone that everyone knows is a liar. Everyone in the family, they know this uncle or this cousin or whoever it may be, is a liar. The thing about lying is that just because someone doesn't tell you that you're lying doesn't mean that they don't know. That your line, it's the same with character, honor, and integrity. When an individual comes into the body of Christ, they expect certain standards. Even when they have not reached or attained those standards themselves, they feel that those that are leaders in the church should have a level of honor and integrity. In Nehemiah seven and two again, Nehemiah says, "I put in charge of Jerusalem." My brother I, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Unfortunately, there are just too many Christians that don't really fear God. I don't think that people really know what it means to fear God. When you fear God, you reverence him. You honor and respect him to such a degree that there are just certain things you would never even consider doing in your life, no matter who's looking. And that's not living under bondage. That's not at all. Some people would say, oh, that's bondage. That sounds like, well, I wouldn't do this and I can't do this. It's not that you can't do certain things. It's that you just wouldn't. I wouldn't consider Because I don't consider lying. That's not bondage. That's character. There are just certain things you would not consider doing when you truly fear and have a reverence of God. When you fear God, you reverence him. You honor and respect him to such a degree that there are just certain things you wouldn't consider in your life again, no matter who's looking. You live that kind of life because there's a constant awareness that God is not just looking at you, but he's with you. He's now a part of you. He dwells within you. When we ask Jesus to come into our hearts and be our Lord and Savior, he doesn't do it on a temporary basis. When we invite him in and he comes in and stays in, it's not where he goes in and punches a clock for eight and then punches out at five. It's permanent. Christians have become so accustomed to his grace and mercy that apparently they now take it for granted. Character is totally lacking in the body of Christ, and no one seems to have a problem with it. However, people are recognizing this lack and identifying it as hypocrisy. Now, instead of Christians being seen and appreciated as people of morals and honor, they are being seen and recognized as hypocrites. It's Christians who are destroying Christianity. People can deal with sinners. They can deal with whoremongers and yes, even liars when they call or when they are called what they are, but you can't put lipstick on a pig pig and call it a lady. It's still filthy and it still stinks. We need to understand something about sin. Sin is sin. Some of us need to understand that abortion is not the only sin. As a little Catholic girl, I was taught that there were three types of sin. There was a mortal sin that meant damnation, venial sin, and original sin that everyone was born with. Now, the venial sin wasn't so bad, but a mortal sin, oh, you would probably have to say 10 Our Fathers and 10 Rosaries and, and all the rest of it. A venial sin was maybe an act of contrition and a Hail Mary. Original sin, you were supposed to have been born in original sin. Let me say something. I'm not trying to argue doctrines, but that's not scriptural. Again, sin is sin. There are some that are called and appointed by God to lead the attack against abortion. I understand that. I believe it. There was a time that I was able to participate and take a stand against abortion. I attended a rally. I even did a a radio talk program. I was a guest on a radio talk program about abortion, against abortion. However, when I see so many people getting so incensed against abortion as though it's the only sin, that's when I have to stop and wonder. There are too many people willing to jump on the abortion bandwagon, beat the abortion drums, when in all honesty, deep within their own selves, they're truly hoping that it's distracting from some other sin in their lives that they think is hidden and they really don't want to deal with. It's as though abortion is the one sin they can truly feel justified about. But remember... All liars, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, along with the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hell is real and so is judgment. There is no big hell or little hell. There's no cooler hell or hotter hell. Hell doesn't have levels. Hell is hell. And when you are condemned to go go there, whether it's for lying, stealing, idolatry, being fearful or an unbeliever, abortion, which is murder, it's all the same hell. If I go to hell for gossip, and you go to hell for murder, we will see one another in the same hell. Paul said to the church in the book of Titus, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. When he said, set them an example, Paul was talking about new converts. He expounded on doing what was good by specifically saying, in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Those that are opposing Christianity don't have to make up lies. They have more than enough negative things to say about those who call themselves Christians. When God spoke to Solomon in 1 Kings 9, 4, it reads, If thou wilt walk before me, as David thy father walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgment. Where's the integrity of heart in the body of Christ? This is where we come to all the familiar quotes and excuses. I'm not perfect. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. God forgives me for my sins and he understands. I remember saying this years ago. There we go with our bumper stickers about Jesus loves you and I do too. Or let me tell you about Christ and any number of things that we could stick on our cars identifying us as Christians. And as soon as someone cuts you off in traffic, you show them that finger, then drive past them so they can see what a wonderful Christian you are. I cannot and will not lay my quote unquote religion down in order to curse someone else out. Let me clarify that a little bit more. I don't have religion. I have relationships. And I will not mar, I will not distract from, I will not ruin my relationship with God by letting something come out of me that should not have been in me in the first place. There are people that will use the phrase, before I knew it, I had cursed them out. And the really sad thing about that is, once they've cursed a the person out, there's no remorse. There's never an apology. There's never a time that they go back and say, will you forgive me? It's just like it never happened. I'll never forget when I truly got saved as a very young woman. One of the first things God delivered me from was cursing. I always remember his words says that sweet and bitter water can't flow from the same fountain. Blessings and cursings, profanity can't come from the, same fir- from the same source as sweetness, as blessings. Some of us need to check the source of where our words are coming from. Let me say, integrity isn't just doing what people can see. It's not just saying what people want to hear or what we think people want to hear. Integrity is living a life before Christ when people see you and when people don't see you. In other words, what you are doing when no one else is looking is your integrity. Are you feeling relaxed enough around certain others to the degree that you can walk in sin without conviction? Are your morals and honor lacking to such a degree that now being seen, not that you're now being seen by the very ones that you want to lead to Christ as a hypocrite? Hypocrisy with people is just like lying. Just because someone doesn't tell you that you're a hypocrite to your face doesn't mean that they don't know you're a hypocrite. Sila, pause and think about that. No one can judge you if you judge yourself first. No, God doesn't condemn us. We know his word says, therefore, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But his Holy Spirit does bring conviction. Conviction means to be separated from the things that will separate us from God. The world is looking at Christians and what they're seeing is definitely not drawing them to Christ. And for that, I believe we will stand in the judgment. As I close this out, I must go to one of my favorite and most meaningful scriptures to me in the Bible. John 21. Jesus called out to the disciples after he had risen and the disciples had gone back to fishing, fishing. Jesus called out to them from the shore and asked them if they had caught any fish. When they responded, they said no, and he told them to cast their nets on the other side. The word says that they caught so many fish that they couldn't bring the haul in. They realized that it was Jesus on the shore, and the word says that Peter jumped in the water and swam to shore. The other disciples followed in the boat. The Bible says that when they got to the shore, that Jesus already had fish baking on the coals, yet he told the disciples to bring some of the fish that they had caught. The word says that they counted 153 fish. I believe that when we enter the kingdom of God, there will be many souls already there, like the fish Jesus already had baking on the coals. However, he will still say to us, bring some of the ones that you caught. When we enter into the kingdom, where will the souls be that you've caught? My grandson and I love to fish together. We love reeling in whatever's on our line. And once we get it in, we are so excited and happy. However, one of the most frustrating things is when we've caught something big, get it right to the shore, and then it jumps off the line. Total frustration. We had a big fish. We saw it. We were pulling it in. It was on the line and it got right there and we lost it. We would talk about it, laugh about it, and even be a little sad about it, but it's gone and there's nothing that we can do about it. It's gone. It's not ours. And there's nothing that we can claim, brag, or be happy about concerning that particular fish. Again, when we stand in the judgment, God says to bring in the ones that we caught. I believe he's going to say that. And when he says it, I truly believe we will be judged for those that we let get away, walk away, even turn and run away from Christianity because of our lack of character, morals, honor, and integrity. Let's ask ourselves some questions today. Are we part of those that are destroying Christianity? Am I the Christian who's the reason no one else around me wants to be a Christian? Am I the one that's lacking morals, honor, and integrity? What does my character show when I profess my Christianity to others? I've been having a conversation with people that are literally saying that they don't want to call themselves Christians anymore. Some are saying they're believers. Others are saying they're disciples of Christ. And still others don't know what to call themselves. But they know they don't want to be identified as Christians. And of all the people that I've talked to who are feeling this way, they all say it's because of a lack of character and lack of integrity in the church today. We've been saying for years that God is going to judge the world, but remember, judgment starts in the house of the Lord. God bless you.